Well, it's great. I've got a couple of volunteers that are going to help me to start off. If you are in the house today and you have not picked up a, uh, a book, The Way, The Truth, and The Life, this is, our, this is our book that we're doing an all-church study on. It goes along with the sermon series. It goes along with our small group series. Um, and even if you're not a part of a small group, you can still read along with us. If you have not picked up a book, I've got some volunteers that will bring them to you. Just stand up right now, and they will bring you a book, all right? They will bring you a book. So just stand right where your feet, guys. Come, quick, 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 run, run, run. You guys are fast, and uh, help everybody get a book. That's great. So make sure you pick up a book. And uh, that would be awesome. Once you get the book, you may be seated. If you're online, by the way, and you would like a copy of this book, um, if you would just put that in the, in the Olive Knowles response card, we could actually mail it to you if that's possible, or you could stop by the church office and pick those up. We would love to have you do that as well, all right? And uh, we got one more right down here that needs a book. Um, one down here, all the way down here. Somebody want to... Grab this way, this way. There we go. I think he's got it. All right. Good job. All right. Take your Bibles today. Let's go to John chapter uh, 1 today. John chapter 1 uh, for the reading of our scripture this morning. So if you'd go there and uh, let's uh, stand together. We're going to start at verse number 35 today. John chapter 1 starting at verse number 35. Let's read the word of God today. And uh, see what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. John chapter 1, starting at verse number 35. The next day, this is, I'm on page um, 811 in my Bible. I don't know what your Bible is, but that's where I'm at. Um, this is the Gospel of John. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. This would be um, John's Gospel, chapter one, starting at verse number 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Remember that sermon on the Passover a few weeks ago? We talked about the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him saying this, they followed Jesus, turning around Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. 
When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, he is a true, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Philip declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see even heaven open and the angels of God descending and descending on the Son of Man. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you have a bumper sticker on your car? If you got a bumper sticker, we got one. Anybody else got a bumper sticker? Look at that. We are not a bumper sticker church, are we? You know, I don't know. But uh, I've, I've never been a bumper sticker guy. It kind of messes the car up, you know. If, if you want to sell it, you got to sell your, your theology or your politics or whatever, you know. So I've decided that I don't put any bumper sticks, stickers on my car. Um, this guy has a whole bunch of bumper stickers. I mean, I don't know if you've ever pulled up behind a car that has a bunch of bumper stickers. But sometimes those bumper stickers have, um, you know, sometimes it's their theology, sometimes it's their politics, sometimes it's, you know, the latest and greatest saying, whatever it might be. You can find all kinds of things on bumper stickers. I find myself when I pull up behind a car like this, what do I do is I read the bumper stickers. And usually I'm going, that's some quack out there somewhere, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know who that is. I'm not making a judgment, but based on their, on their, on this, I mean, this crazy stuff. But um, a few years ago, by the way, I love this one. I saw that. <laughs> I just like, woo. <laughs> um, I, a few years ago, there was a campaign called the uh, Here's Life America. It was a multi-million dollar campaign that went into 250 metropolitan markets and recruited, it recruited participation from 14,000 churches. Now, this was in the 1970s. And their slogan for that, that campaign was, I found it. And thousands and thousands of, of churches gave out bumper stickers to all of their people. And um, that was a slogan that was going to be on billboards. It was going to be on television and newspapers and all the, all, it, was, it was millions of dollars poured into, into advertising. And it was all this, I found it, I found it. And it was supposed to be a campaign that would help people to share their faith of how they had found Jesus, how they had come to Christ. And it was supposed to be a way to share the good news of Jesus Christ with America at that, that day and time that many of them did not know him. It was, a, it was a campaign that was founded in the hearts and minds of a guy by the name of Bill Bright. You're probably, some of you are familiar with that name. He was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, which by the way started in UCLA campus. He was actually a minister that was trying to reach college students on that campus. And today, Campus Crusade for Christ is a huge organization. Well, they did a study after that, um, after that campaign, and they determined that in spite of all the millions of dollars spent and all the materials printed and all the churches involved, that, but Here's Life America had virtually no measurable influence upon people.
people coming to Christ. That's pretty sad, isn't it? No measurable influence. In other words, it really wasn't an effective campaign to do what was. And, um, and so there were some, some articles written after that that said, why? Why wasn't this effective? How come people didn't come to Christ? Because, and they discovered that this idea of I found it, they did not know what the it was. Because they thought that when they said I found it, they were, they were talking about I found religion, I found a philosophy to live by. I found a new set of rules and regulations. But they didn't understand based upon the slogan that the it was not an it, was a person. His name is Jesus. He is the one that really transforms and saves us and redeems us. And so as you work through the Gospels, the message you encounter again and again is that the Christian life is not about following a set of principles. It's not about a law. It's not about a, it's not about a philosophical, religious kind of a new mindset. It is about a person who came and died on a cross, rose again from the dead, and ascended back to the Father. His name is Jesus. And that's what it really means to be a Christian. It's to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in 2022, there was another campaign that was a multi-million dollar campaign. You probably saw some YouTube videos or something like that. It was called, He Gets Us. Now, that's a little bit better than... I found it. <laughs> At least he gets us, you know. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a wonderfully uh, crafted messages about how God gets us as human beings because God became human. He actually lived on this earth. He actually experienced what the gospel is really all about. And, um, and he, because he was the gospel. So it's all about Jesus. So in this series, The Way, The Truth, and The Life, we're going to do this together. It's the first time in the history since I've been your pastor that we are going to do a combined sermon small group series. This is an all-church-wide series that is based upon uh, this idea of what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am, he said, I am, not it, not a philosophical um, religious mindset, not a religion, not a, not a church such as the names above our churches, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so over the next six weeks, we are going to walk through what, what we are calling a discipleship series, a journey of grace. And we are going to discover that no matter where you are in your journey with God, that God wants to do a deeper and more effective work in your life to help you follow Jesus more closely. Because he loves you. He adores you. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so, so based upon that, that's why this book is important to you because this is, our, this is some of our material. We have a small group um, discipleship material that goes with this. We've got the sermon series that goes with this. And if you do all three things, here's what I believe. God will do a good work in your life. You'll grow closer to Jesus. Amen. So if you don't have a small group, could I beg you to join a group today? To join a group today. You know, there are wonderful places for you to meet with your fellow brothers and sisters that can go on this journey together. Because this journey is not meant to be by yourself. It's meant to be a community-wide experience. And so if you go to olivenoles.com, you'll find small groups there, and you can click on there and see all the groups that are available, all right? Now, I am doing a group on Wednesday nights. I still have slots for six more people, okay? So come join my group. Pastor Brent's doing a group on Saturday nights, a brand new group. Pastor Kyle's doing a great group on Monday nights. So those are three groups that we've started for this semester. Then there are lots of other groups that have established that have been going on that you can join those groups. So there's a place for you to join that group. And we pray and hope you do that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so here's the question. Uh, by the way, this is what David Busick, who's the writer of the book, says about this verse. He says, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he was talking about more than a sequential intellectual equation or a transactional agreement that we make with God. He was describing the relational way of discipleship will happen. Indeed, way, truth, and life, or, uh, or not a philosophical abstractions or life principles, way, truth, and life are a person. Jesus said, I am the way. You walk with Jesus on this new way of living. And that's how it all began. So, I thought for this very first message, we would look at how Jesus invites you into the journey of grace. It's the, it's the most compelling invitation of all. Because Jesus, when he called his very first disciples to come and follow him, he continues to call people to come and follow him today. Last Sunday, by the way, we had... Well over 40 people that came forward and picked up an empty egg declaring that they wanted to renew their relationship or follow Jesus Christ for the very first time. And we praise God for that. We had, we had I don't know, well over 25 or so brand new families that came to Easter Sunday here that had never been with us before, that filled out their, their cards and said, we're here today. And if you came back this Sunday and you're here today, right here in this service, welcome back. We want you to do that. But this journey of grace is for all of us. No matter where you are in your journey, God wants you to continue to journey with him. And so the journey is not for just some of us, it's for all of us. And so as we look at how Jesus called the very first disciples, there's three things that I want you to see here that are very important to our journey. And the first one is simply this. Seeking you, Jesus is seeking you as much as you are seeking him. Jesus, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life is seeking you 
just as much as you are seeking him. Actually, I would say he's the first seeker. He is the one who is seeking you out and trying to find you and trying to help you to come to know him personally. The, 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 the slogan, I have found it, really was a misnomer because none of us find God. God finds us. I want you to hear that. None of us find God. God is the one who finds us. We then respond to his grace that moves in our life first. We are responders to him. He speaks our name. Last week we heard the story of Mary Magdalene at the, at the tomb. And she heard the name, you know, the gardener came. He thought it was a gardener, it was Jesus. And, and Jesus says, Mary. And all of a sudden her eyes were opened up and she recognized the voice and realized that Jesus was alive. He was there. He was the one who went and found Thomas and said, look at the nails and prints in my hands, my side. Look at who I am. Touch me. Stop doubting and believe. And here in John chapter 14, it was Thomas who said, I don't know the way of where you're going, and I don't know how to get there. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one. So he is seeking you as much, or I would say even more, than you are seeking him. Now, there are some people who are seeking God, but they're seeking God in all the wrong places. Looking for God in all the wrong places. But God is grateful because God is drawing people to himself and is seeking to that. So I want you to see that. So here in the scripture this morning, I want you to catch three things. Um, three things. But first of all, this. The next day, John was there again with his two disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was the one who inaugurated Jesus' life, his ministry. He was baptized in the Jordan River. The Spirit of God fell on him, and he was, he was, he was, and the Spirit said, This is my Son. And he recognized him as the Lamb of God. And the scripture says that the next day after he was baptized, John was there again. That's John the baptizer, was there again with the two, his two disciples. So these are two of John's disciples that are there with John. And he, when he saw Jesus, who saw Jesus? John saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, there's the Lamb of God. And so Jesus is passing by. He's like walking down the road. And he's walking down the road, and he is recognized by John the Baptist as the day after he is baptized. And the scripture says, when the two disciples heard him say, say this, so these two disciples of John hear John say, look the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever followed somebody? Have you ever followed somebody? That they didn't invite you to follow them. You know? You're just kind of like, oh, there, there's a rock star, or there's a movie star, or there's a baseball player that I love to play, you know? And you just kind of get a little creepy, and you just kind of follow behind, you know? You try to keep your distance, you know? But you're following and following, you know? This is what these two disciples are doing. They're like, they're like there's Jesus. There's Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. And the scripture says, Jesus saw them following and asked. So he's following. He turns around and looks at these two guys following and says, what do you want? 
I mean, what are you following me for? What do you want? And by the way, if you have read the Gospels, you know there are many times where Jesus says to people, what do you want? It's a good question, wouldn't you say? What do you want? And they respond and they say, Rabbi. Now, notice the term that their first recollection or their first title that they give Jesus is Rabbi, teacher. There were lots of teachers or rabbis in those days. And he was not recognized as the son of God here, but they recognized him as the rabbi. And they asked the question, where are you going? Where are you staying at? Now, just stop there for a moment. Jesus asked the question, what do you want? They respond with another question. They didn't really answer the question. They, asked, they, they, they responded with a question. What do you want? Where are you staying? What do you want? Where are you staying? I mean, it's like there was a disconnect there. But in between those two questions, there is a response because ultimately what the disciples wanted was to hang out with Jesus. <laughs> they wanted to know where he was staying so that they could go stay with Jesus. And so you'll see here, the scripture goes on to say, come, he replied, and you will see. So the invitation that Jesus has for these two disciples of John the Baptist, who are now checking out Jesus, they are curious, they are wondering what he's all about. John the Baptist has told them he's the Lamb of God. They recognize him as a teacher, so they are curious about it. They ask him, where are you staying? Are you staying at the Marriott? You're staying at the, you know, the Comfort Inn? I mean, are you at Robert Savage's house? Are you at, at Scott's house? I mean, where are you staying right now? Because we would like to come see you. And Jesus responds and says, come on over. Come see. And really, this is the invitation that God gives to all of us. Every single one of us, this is the most brilliant, wonderful invitation that God gives to humankind. He says to us, check me out. Come and observe. Come and learn. Come and hear. Come and discover. So he is, at, he is saying to these disciples, come and you will see. And then so, what did they do? They went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. They didn't spend just 15 minutes with Jesus. They spent the entire day with Jesus. Jesus was seeking them, and they, in turn, was seeking Jesus. And there's so many of you here today that that journey of faith, that journey you're on, is a journey of discovery. You are discovering. You are, you are walking in the grace and the light that God has given to you. And he is the one who is guiding you because he is the one who is drawing you to himself. And he wants you to spend time with him. 
That's what's so awesome. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to experience what that is all about. You'll notice in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. For some of you have been on the journey of faith for a long time. God knows where you are, but God still wants you to seek him. You know why? Because he's seeking you. He loves to spend time with you, and he longs for you to spend time with him. There are days, sometimes, you know, um, Jane and I, we've been married for over 30 years together, you know, and there are times we look at each other, we're like ships passing in the night. We just kind of, you know, our life is so busy, you know, we kind of run in, run out, run in, run out. And there are many times where Jane will say, you know, we just need a little time. And usually she's exactly right. We need time to connect together. And God is saying to you, I am seeking you. Will you seek me? I love what goes on. The next day, by the way, this is, remember, it says, the first day was John the Baptist. The next day was these Jesus who passed by. Then it says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. What did he do? He finding Philip. Who's doing the finding here? Does Philip find Jesus or does Jesus find Philip? Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. In other words, here was the invitation. Come see. Come discover. Come learn. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. A, a Second thing I want you to see, he, Jesus wants to make you into the person you are to become. He wants you to make you into the person you're supposed to be. In other words, he doesn't want to leave you. He doesn't want to discover you where you are now and leave you there. He actually wants to make you and help you to become the person you were supposed to be in the first place. And we discover this in his next calling of his next disciples. Notice the scripture says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard about John, had said, and who had followed Jesus. So they're still both of them referring back to John the Baptist, who is referring to Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Lamb of God, okay? And so Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who, ha who had heard about John said about apology. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and do what? Tell him we have found the Messiah. When you get saved, when you become a Christian, it should become innate in you that you want to tell others. Hey, let me tell you about something that happened to me. Let me tell you about something that God has done in my life. I mean, if you, for example, knew where to get a million dollars and you got a million dollars and you discovered you could only get one million dollars, but there were billions of millions of dollars there for anybody who could come get it. You would probably go home and tell your, tell your friends, your neighbors, you'd probably tell everybody, hey, I got a million dollars and there's another million for you. Come and see. Come and discover. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us when he tells about the, 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 the parable of the, of, the, of the woman who had a lost coin or the, the, the pearl of, of great wealth. You read all of these parables where there's the discovery that goes on. 
Well, Andrew, one of Simon Peter's brothers, he discovers Jesus and he goes and finds his brothers and he found him and says, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. We've been praying as a church about who's our one. I'm going to bring that up to you all the time this year. Who's your one? Because every single one of you who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ should be praying and inviting them to come and discover. Come and see. I have found Jesus. Let me introduce you to him. And so he brought him. And Jesus looked at him and said, so Jesus looked at who? He looked at Simon Peter's brother, um, Andrew's Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother. He looked at him, looked at Simon, says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. You will be called Cephas. Now, in biblical times, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, he gave you a new name. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I think that's a song, right? Is that a song? I sang a bunch of hymns this week, and they just come back to you like I, we sing them all the time. Probably most of you don't even know what that song is, but it's a song I used to sing when I was a kid in church. But there's a new name. God gives you a new name. He gives you a new identity when you come to Christ. And what, what God, Jesus says to Peter is, you're no longer going to be Simon, son of John. You're going to be Simon, son of Cephas. You're going to be Simon Peter. And Simon Peter literally meant rock. I am going to build my church upon your testimony, upon your life, Simon Peter. I'm going to build my life upon you. And it was like God, right here at the very beginning of this invitation, he was looking at Simon. He was saying, I got something amazing that I'm going to do in your life. I'm going to do something so amazing in you, you can't even imagine it. You see, you have an identity that sometimes you don't want to have. And God says, I want to rewrite your story. I want to rewrite your identity. I want to give you a brand new start. And I'm going to do something so marvelous in your life that you can't even imagine. There's a journey that he wants you to take with him. And he's going to transform you in a wonderful way. I had, I had uh, coffee or, or lunch. or Paul, what did we have together? We had coffee together. Breakfast together. That's right. At Poppy's, you know. And, uh, and, and Paul and I ate, and I got to know this man, and he shared with me his testimony of how Jesus has transformed his life. He's gone from being somebody who was addicted to things that he shouldn't have been addicted to, to being a new believer in Jesus Christ. And God has done a new work in you, and there's a new identity written. That's pretty cool, amen? God does that in all of our lives today. And he does that right here from Cephas. He could have said to Simon Peter, you know, in the future, you're going to deny me three times. You know, you're going to be the guy that's going to open his mouth and put his foot in it all the time. You're going to be the guy who, who, who is uh, erratic. You're going to be the guy that has great courage in public, but is a wimp 
when there's no one around. You're going to be a guy that, uh, that I am going to find myself being greatly disappointed in. But he doesn't say that. He says to him, I see the best in you. I see the best in you because I'm going to do a work in you that's marvelous. That's what a journey. Here's, here's one, one of the things that you'll discover in the first couple of chapters of this book. That when you choose to walk in the grace of God, that your life actually does get better. I'm not saying it's without pain or struggles. I'm not saying it's a life that, that he's going to take all of your heartaches away. But I'm going to tell you that you're going to, you're going to receive the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, that's actually going to make your life better. And that's the good news. Amen? It's good news. And that's what he was saying to, to Simon Peter. Here's the third thing I want you to say. The third is that Jesus is just getting started in you. Because the story goes on and it says this. The next day, here's another day, we're on the fourth day, by the way. You didn't catch that. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And what does he do now? He's finding who? He's finding Philip. And he said to him, follow me. And then Philip, like Andrew and Peter, remember what did Andrew do? Andrew went and found Simon, who became Peter. And like Philip, uh, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. And told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael responds and says, Nazareth? Now let me put it in the Bakersfield context. Oildale? Does anything good come from Oildale? Yes. That's kind of what Nathaniel was saying about Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He's not recognizing him as the son of God here. He's recognizing him for his earthly heritage because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. His fa earthly father was Joseph. And he's saying to him, Nazareth, Oildale, some would even say Bakersfield. Does anything good come out of Bakersfield? From where I lived, I was from a suburb of Boston called Dorchester. And people would say, you grew up in Dorchester? I grew up in the projects. I grew up in poverty. I grew up in despair and squander and darkness. Does anything good come from Nazareth, Oildale, Bakersfield, Dorchester, wherever you might be from, somebody might say, ah, that's not possible. And what does Jesus say to him, or what does Philip say? Come and see. Did you catch that? Come and see. And so what does Nathaniel do at the request of Philip? 
By the way, that's why you should be praying for your one and you should be inviting your one to say, come and see this Jesus I'm telling you about. Come to my church. Come to my family. Come to my small group. Come, come have lunch with me. Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. He compliments him. He's an outstanding human being. Here's a man that has integrity. Nathaniel asked, how do you know me? How do you know what I've been, who I am? I mean, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And here this guy is saying that I am such a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And his response is, how do you know me? And Jesus responds and says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Let that sink in for a moment, folks. Before you even knew that God was seeking you, he had already had you on his mind. He already thought about you. He already knew you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows everything about you. And guess what? He still loves you. He still longs for you. He still calls you. He still wants to see the best in you, not the worst. Praise the Lord. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What's he do? He has faith now. He has, ever, he has had a transformational moment. He has had received the grace of God. His eyes are opened up. And he not only calls him teacher, but he says, you are the son of God, the Messiah the king of Israel, the one we've been looking for for thousands of years. You're here. And Jesus says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Well, that was pretty good, right? You shall see even greater things than that. My friends, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your life becomes an adventure. You will see things you never imagined. You will experience things you never thought were possible. You will see the, God, the grace of God, the power of God, the love of God, his mighty miracles in your life like you could never, ever imagine. Because the Christian life is not a destination, it's a journey. A few years ago, back in 1987, God had called me. I was, a, I was a junior in college, and God called me to go on a mission trip for the entire summer between my junior year and my senior year to Mexico City. Now, remember, I was from the east. I was, from, I was going to a school called Eastern Nazarene College and just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And um, there were 50 college students that summer called from various Nazarene colleges across the USA and Canada. 
We all gathered together the very first week we were out of school at Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. When I got there, by the way, I said, I should have went to this school. (laughs) Wow. We spent a week there on campus training together. I knew zero Spanish. None. But there were 50 college students, and we were put in teams of three. And our mission that summer, right in 1987, was to go and to do uh, puppet shows, Bible schools, um, feed kids breakfast. And we divided up into teams of three every morning, and we would scatter across the city. And we would do these, we would do these, uh, these outreach events. And usually when we got to our spot, it was actually after the massive earthquake in Mexico City that had happened. A lot of rubble was there. And we were, we were in this little courtyard where we were, doing this, uh, we were doing these puppet shows and these chairs. And literally, I was just reading a script. I didn't even know what I was saying because I couldn't speak Spanish. But the kids were there. And we had puppets going on. We had songs. It was so much fun. Well, one afternoon... My friend and I, who also was, was uh, from Mount Vernon Nazarene University, he, was with, he didn't know Spanish. We decided that that day on our day off, we were going to go find the Nazarene Theological Seminary just outside of Mexico City. They told us to get on a train, and we got on a tr- public transportation. We got to a, and we got to a place where there were buses. He said, and they told us, find bus with this name on it. We come out of the train station, and literally, there must have been a thousand buses there. I mean, we didn't know which bus we were supposed to get on. So we are walking around with this little piece of paper, and we're looking for this bus. We're looking for this bus. And finally, this guy on a taxi cab says to us, hey, hey, he saw that we were Americans. Hey, come here, come here. And we figured out, he asked us, where are you going? And we said, well... Here's where we want to go. We want to go to the Nazarene Theological Seminary. And we gave him the address. He says, get in, my, get in the cab. We were like, yes. Bad news. <laughs> we start driving. He stops, gets out of the car in the middle of the road, runs down into a field. We're like, what is he doing? He runs back to the car. We drive a little further. He stops. He runs down into another field, finds somebody else. Then he gets back in the car, and we ride somewhere else, and he stops. He doesn't know where he's going. Finally, we're in the middle of nowhere, and he says, he turns around and goes, and he's like, I want more money. And we were like, no, 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 we already paid you. And he says, well, get out. We are like, okay, how much do you want? <laughs> Finally, we gave him the money, and after three and a half hours, we show up at the Nazarene Theological Seminary. Now, I say all that to say this to you. What bus are you in? Who's driving your bus or your car or your life? Are you on a journey with Jesus and is he your tour guide, your leader? Is he the way? 
or are you trying to do it on your own? Jesus invites you to grace. Amen. And three things I'll remind you. Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is looking within you. And Jesus is looking ahead of you. He knows all about you. Get on the journey with him. Amen. The next few weeks, we're going to discover more and more about this journey. This is just the invitation, the start of walking with Jesus day by day, week by week. Will you do that in a group with other believers? Will you do that guiding yourself as you read the Scripture and as you read the book, The Way, the Truth, and the Life? Will you discover this way of grace? this invitation to a person. Amen. Amen. Worship team, come. Let's pray. Would you stand with me, Father? Oh, God, thank you for the call. The call not to a philosophy or to a way of living that's systematic, but, Lord, really to a call to be a follower of Jesus. I pray, oh God, this journey of grace would be a journey that each of us would take as we surrender ourselves to you and to your ways. Help us, oh Lord, I pray, to make sure we get on the right bus or in the right taxi cab or the right journey in life. Someone who knows the way. Someone who is, has our best interest in mind. Someone who believes in us. His name is Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's sing together.